Hello everyone, welcome back to 50 Shades of Blue. On today's episode, Chase makes a comeback. We haven't heard from him for a couple weeks, so he and I get together, kind of rant about some things that are frustrating to us. That's essentially the whole idea of this podcast, this episode specifically. We kind of talk about random stuff, talk starting with kind of party etiquette, how to show up to parties, especially if you're a guy, single guy, do you show up with more guys, do you show up with women, things like that, you know whatever, just kind of shooting it around. Uh, We get into some road rage, kind of things that annoy us and why it exists, maybe, perhaps, things like that. And then it takes a wild turn when Chase brings up a whole idea on going to the bathroom at work and what he thinks is proper. And that doesn't really apply to me because I've been working from home for a while now. So it's not really something that's on my mind a whole lot or ever. So we entertain that for a little bit. Uh, you might find it interesting, you might find it disgusting, or you might find it kind of meaningless, or kids being stupid kids, because that's essentially what this topic is about. Anyway, it's random, it's fun, hope you like it, hope you had a great weekend, and I hope you have a great start to a week. Killer for Dad has become a big-time college basketball star at BYU. That's one of my lyrics in the song. There couldn't be a, a prouder older brother than Carlino, me. a bounce to Haas. Haas posting up short corner right to the middle. Fades away. Go! Yeah! Gotta watch the three. When you do what's right on and off the field, uh, I, I think the Lord steps in and, and uh, plays, a, you know, plays a part in that. Magic happens. All right, Chase, welcome back. You're back on after a few weeks. You've been gone. What have you been doing, man? I've just been uh, on one continuous shift in the ICU at night and uh, back to society, back to being around human beings again, and it feels good. So Don't glad to be back to us, on. Dude. Are you saying you've had to do like important doctor things? Uh, no, I was just uh, I was just taking a couple weeks off. Didn't want to. I kind of got <laughs> sick of the podcast. So That sounds more right to me, actually. Well, we are happy to have you back, and I know I speak for everybody listening to this when I say that. So welcome back. Want to know something really funny though? Let's hear it. Uh, I learned, so you may be aware of this. Some of my listeners may be aware of this, but the majority probably aren't. I have a very one-sided rivalry with Hank Smith. And it's not even a rivalry out of like disdain or hate or anything like that. But I used to follow him on Twitter, and I used to see his tweets, and he, you know, his kind of classic Hank Smith style, which is like, everybody love everybody, everything is wonderful, everything is beautiful, like, you are loved, be kind, blah, 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 you know, like, a bunch of surface level stuff, kind of fluff, as I would put it, and I started kind of calling him out for it a little bit. And a lot of people would say like I was trolling him maybe. I never really viewed it as trolling because trolling is kind of when you're like just messing with somebody for the sake of messing with somebody. I was really trying to point out kind of the flaws in his approach, which was that ultimately I didn't really feel like he was helping a whole lot. I thought maybe he could think a little bit deeper. I think he's really a, a smart guy and I think he has talent and an ability to approach people in a way that could be more effective, but he chooses to kind of do the easier, low-hanging fruit approach, which really just gives him followers and popularity. I don't know. That's kind of my theory, at least. So I would start calling him out a little bit, like, how is this helping people type thing? you know? And i try and do it in a way that was a little bit more witty, as opposed to just being like, how dare you? But more kind of like, 
pointing out maybe the inherent flaws with gospel examples, like in the Book of Mormon and things like that. And he ended up blocking me. So I'm blocked on Twitter by Hank Smith. And I just learned not too long ago that my own mother is going to be on his podcast. <laughs> That's actually pretty amazing. Isn't that amazing? You should have her bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, mom, don't. Uh, do you mind dropping my name and just seeing what he thinks about me? He probably doesn't even realize who I am. I mean, I, that, that, I'm not. I don't. I don't have this sense of self importance. It's like, oh, Hank Smith definitely knows who he who I am and who he actively blocked me and he hates me. Ball. Like, the guy doesn't even know who I am. I guarantee you, he probably doesn't even remember anything about that. But so, uh, so Hank, have you yeah, blocked anyone on Twitter recently? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, my son. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> my mom wouldn't even defend me there. She'd throw me under the bus with him, which, or with me, or sorry, she would throw me under the bus on his podcast as she should, quite frankly, because it's all pretty juvenile stuff. I'll be honest. But. Speaking of Hank Smith, how old is he? Because when you look at his Twitter bio picture, there's a range of like 40 years he could be. And I can't tell. Yeah, it's true. Uh, he could be like 18 or 46. <laughs> or I even agree. older. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Anyway, that's a little bit funny tidbit of information that is somewhat relevant these days. I actually listened to one of his episodes of that podcast that he does with John, by the way. Solid stuff. Like, pretty cool. They have, like, usually pretty insightful guests. They had a guy that was a Doctrine and Covenants scholar, kind of giving his thoughts on some things. And I, it was a lot of it was pretty valuable stuff. But. So I, like I said, it's not personal. There's no real animosity from my end to his. I just thought, why can't, why can't we challenge him a little bit more to challenge others? Yeah. And I don't know, like I kind of more like the McConkie or, or the Maxwell approach or even Talmadge, like these guys that are just like really throwing like these interesting human nature conundrums people's way, you know, to kind of like have, have, people try and assess and think their way out of it i don't know maybe i'm being too grandiose in my philosophy but anyway well ev everyone needs a famous twitter nemesis like that claim to fame block like for me it's ken jennings um oh right that, that, that's when i've i've always been proud of that one how did that come about honestly the context is obscure to me at this point it's been so many years but it was some kind of political commentary where i made a what I thought was a funny comment on one of his tweets. And uh, I guess he didn't like what I had to say because I was blocked and I can no longer see what Ken Jennings tweets. With that said, I don't view being blocked as a badge of honor. Like many other people do. Like you saw from during Trump's presidency, how that was like in people's bios. Cause oh, like yeah, that's blocked by POTUS. You're kind of like, I, okay, who cares? Like the guy's petty. We all know that. So you you were a victim of his pettiness. I don't well, care. And, like I don't I don't think that means you won anything personally. I didn't think I won any battle with Hank Smith by being blocked by him. Yeah, and I will say that even though Trump obviously controlled his own Twitter account, I'm pretty sure he had other people doing that dirty work for him, doing the blocking for him. I doubt Trump like physically went and blocked these random Twitter people. I personally yeah. wouldn't put it past him. Maybe. <laughs> I really wouldn't. Maybe. Maybe. The guy really was pretty vindictive and petty at times. But, I mean, that ultimately led to his demise. Let's be real, right? I mean, for a lot of it's no secret that a lot of people think that if he had just gotten rid of his Twitter, 
um, then he, he probably would have gotten reelected. But who knows? Potentially. Potentially. I, I have this new idea that I want to throw your way too. This is changing the topic. But this last weekend, I was invited to kind of this birthday get together and it turned out to be kind of this bigger party, which I'm kind of anti big party these days. I don't really like showing up to places with like, it sounds arbitrary, but like 20 plus people. I just kind of like 20, 30 plus, you know, you're just like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like I don't, I, I, I feel weird in those situations being yeah. in my thirties and I got a specific invite for this one and i really like the guy. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely show up. But while I was kind of concocting this idea in my head of showing up and how that was going to play out, like I would either show up alone or with girls because there's no way I'm going to show up with a bunch of guys. In other words, I refuse to be a ratio breaker. And by that, I mean, <laughs> when you just show up with like more dudes to a party, nobody likes that. Nobody, except for maybe some girls. But even then, I feel like girls feel more comfortable with other girls a lot of the time instead of having more guys that just want to like flirt them up or whatever. So I actually approached a few of my close lady friends and told them, I was like, the, I need, I need your help going to this party. I'm going to show up. I showed up. No joke, dude. I showed up with five lady friends to this party. <laughs> it was amazing. They all that had my back. Amazing. Yeah. And I didn't take a single guy. <laughs> I just, I, oh. I, not that I look down at other guys that show up with like four or five guys to a party, but it is kind of like, Y'all aren't helping anybody. I'm sorry. You're not. But granted, I don't really want to go to parties anyway, so this doesn't even really affect me directly anyway. So, Well, what's the number of girls you show up to where it almost starts to look weird how many you showed up with? <laughs> it's, it's, I'll admit, like, I may have tipped in that regard. Yeah, you, yeah, I think you did. Yeah, I think you want to I come with like two or three. Five kind of three looks is kind of the max. Five is yeah. like I might be their gay friend. There's a yeah, there's that, a that's kind of what I was gonna, that's, that. that's kind of what I was getting at there. Is it? It yeah. starts to appear that way. Well, there's no secret. I've I've actually kept a running list. Now, no time like the present to bring this up. I've kept a running list of probably the gayest things about me in my life. Um, I don't know if it's worth sharing the the list right now, which there's three that I could probably easily think of. But that is one that I could add to that list, which is that I actually have a lot of close friends that are girls, not girlfriends by any means, but they are good close friends of mine. And that's kind of a gay thing to have. I'll admit, right? I mean... One one could make that point. I I would, I mean, you're either that or you're you're a friend zone guy, which isn't you know, I I I've seen both strategies work. I've seen people that it's have not a lots strategy of... though. I actually like generally <laughs> like these girls, dude. Like they're good friends. We talk regularly, um, but I guess there's I don't know. There's there's no sparks there. Actually, one of them I did kind of have a thing with, but we stayed friends. So good. Yeah. I would say that I think that's that's there's nothing wrong with having friends who are girls, but if your intention is to to then convert those friends into dating relationships, that's a that's a tough line to walk. I don't know. I've never seen that successfully accomplished without repercussions. Oh yeah, no that and that to me is a little bit. It's a little bit wolf in sheep's clothing approach. Where you, instead of just being direct and being like, hey, I want to take you out and and just be like, I'll call a spade a spade. I'm attracted to you. I want to get to know you more and see how this goes. As opposed to like trying to subvert it with, oh, hi, my name is Sensitive Harper and I love everything you love because I'm a good friend of yours and I will be forever. And then 
you try and slowly like turn them into thinking you're actually this attractive stud. I don't like that approach personally. So yeah, I don't know. It, it only works in the movies In the movies. It's always that scenario where the two people find out they've been friends all these years and then they're actually in love. Yeah. That, that works on TV. It doesn't work in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm 33 and still single, so I can think I can tell you all you need to know about that. Well, so anyway, I hope boy. that catches on. Don't be a ratio breaker. Anybody listening to this, don't be a ratio breaker. Like just, you know, do your part when it comes to a party. And by that, I really just mean guys. Don't show up with five other guys. Don't show up even with three other guys. At most, yeah. one other dude. But even then, just show up alone or show up with more girls. Just be a pal. Be a bro. Or if you're going to show up with dudes and stagger your entrance so it doesn't look like you. You ruin the ratio on purpose. <laughs> that's, that's actually, that's a nice workaround. I agree. Yeah. Well, and, and going back to that group size uh, remark you made about how about 20 people seems to be the ideal size for a party. I actually think the reason for that is that after you get past about 20 people, there's too many people for there to be any kind of group conversation going on. And then it just becomes a bunch of isolated mini conversations and there's no real rhyme or reason to the to the cohesiveness of the group and it almost becomes a more isolating experience after that many people that's exactly what i went through last weekend actually we were around a fire uh saturday night and there were probably about 15 or so of us and there were so many little micro conversations going on that it was kind of like this is weird like when you get around a fire with people like you're supposed to like supposed to be like this group oriented discussion but that really wasn't happening and kind of lost its purpose in my, in my opinion. But yeah, there's like, seems to be a threshold with parties where it's like the law of diminishing returns kicks in where it's like, this isn't even, I, I'm not meeting anybody new. I'm only seeing people I haven't seen in forever and catching up with them or talking with the people I came with, you know, like you don't, not a whole lot of branching out going around. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I mean, I think it's one of those things most people kind of know, but they've never really thought about it. But for sure, like those, I've the most fun I've had at gatherings is always when the group's like 10 to 20. And more than that's like, it, it becomes exhausting to a certain yeah. point. Well, anyway, what do you got for us, man? I've got I've got my, my uh, soapbox is, is now depleted. So yeah, I, I had a couple thoughts. So I had a I had an interesting thought occur to me. Well, I, I was driving between uh, where I live in Colorado and uh, Colorado Springs, where I hike the Manitou Incline uh, every week. And I was I was driving back, and it's like a two lane highway where there's like two lanes going both directions. And there was this guy. So like I was in the left lane, and I was going like ten over or so. And I was like, there were, I couldn't go any faster because the people in front of me were making that impossible. So I was going with the flow of traffic in the left lane. And there was this moron behind me who, first of all, started tailgating me, which I'm not sure what he was trying to accomplish by tailgating me because there was no, there was nowhere for him to go and there was nowhere for me to go. Um, and then he's, and then he decides he's going to get over into the right lane and try to make a pass. But it was very obvious for, to anyone, like for me and from his perspective, that there was no possibility for him to pass on the right because the gap on the right was closing much faster than he was going to be able to pass me. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, this guy must be uncoordinated. He must be bad at sports. If he didn't like see the physics of what was going on there, that he thought he had a, an opportunity to pass on the right. 
despite the fact that it was a futile pass anyway. But even if it wasn't a futile pass, the gap was going to close before he had the opportunity to pass. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, there must be some correlation between being a good driver and being good at sports. Because if you can't, like, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but like, I, I swear no, there's doesn't. a correlation. No, because like, I, I feel like being athletic, being coordinated, it's, if you reduce it down to like a more scientific idea, it's, it's having spatial awareness and being aware of multiple objects moving in different directions and at different speeds and being aware of how you maneuver yourself within those objects in the most efficient and effective way possible. And this jackass, like, the way he thought that he was going to have a gap to pass me on the right when that clearly was not going to be the case. There's no way he's good at sports. There's no way that guy could go catch a football in traffic or like juke between a linebacker and her safety running down the sideline because he doesn't have an under like an innate understanding of the physics of it. I don't know if I want to address the, crazy analogy you just gave or <laughs> the fact that you pronounced it futile first but uh you're you may not be totally wrong uh in the sense of like when you say spatial awareness and kind of spacing and a lot of moving parts and having to consider kind of your location in the context of everybody else and flow and movement and things like that i don't know i mean there may be something that translates in that regard uh, it kind of sounds like in this scenario, though, you can throw out any rationality because he got, the guy is clearly ticked off. And I don't think he's really necessarily giving his overall best representation of himself in that scenario. I mean, I think we all kind of perform better when we're a little bit more collected. And I don't think there was he was he was collected at all in that. Is yeah, that fair? Honestly, no, that's fair. I almost need to like. I almost need to start a separate podcast just like of me, like just like driving and just, ra- just, gonna... just like live takes, like live takes of me just ranting at other drivers while I'm driving places. Well, make sure you actually, click that explicit button when you do. Yeah, well, actually Bill Burr did this for, for a show one time. And it's like the, one of the funniest things I've ever watched. Like it is, it, it's just comedic gold. Um, and, and I don't know, man, there's just so many, so many little things I don't think people ever talk about. And, one one of my driving takes is this is this is just a rule that no one ever talks about and it's if you ever do something on the road that forces someone to use their brakes in any way you screwed up so if you make a turn i don't care how much space you thought you had if if you make a turn and someone who is coming that direction has to use their brakes at all you screwed up you made a bad turn and i think a lot of people just don't respect that that law they just don't. I don't know. Have you ever I'm not noticed sure what like you're that? explaining? I'll be honest. So, sorry. so you're making, let's say you're making a right hand turn on like uh, onto a road. You're at a stop sign. You make a right hand turn, and the, there's someone coming, going 45 miles per hour, going, going the, the direction, direction that you're you. turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah going okay. the same direction as you, and and you take so long to speed up that even if you had plenty of space to safely make the turn, they then have to slow down to 40 miles per hour while you're trying to accelerate. You didn't have enough room. You made a bad turn or you didn't accelerate fast enough. I actually no don't one... think that's a hot take. I think everybody pretty much agrees with that. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I but not do. the way they not the way they drive. I'll tell you one thing. I actually, along those lines, it's, it's somewhat related. This one, almost everybody's going to have to push their brakes. But uh, 
I was driving today actually, and this is something that happens a lot. I feel like is people that turn slowly. It it kind of drives me nuts when when you're going down a road like a pretty main road. It's like 35, 40, 45, and somebody's turning off into like a parking lot or something, and they take down their car all the way to like two miles an hour. Oh my god! Before they yeah. even like completely like before. I mean, we're talking like 10% of their car has even like gone into the parking lot that they're going to 90% of the car is still in your lane. And you're just like, can we not maybe at least try to turn at like 10 miles an hour? It's insane. And you have to like basically come to a stop in order to let them turn all the way while you're on a main road. I feel like that happens way more than it should. Oh, it does. And I, I always try to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I like slow down like to a speed that I think gives them plenty of time to make that turn. I always, and, and then I, all the time I'll have to slam on my brakes because they're still freaking making the turn regardless of like how much of a cushion I tried to give them to do it. It's, it's infuriating. (laughs) My mom has always said that road rage is basically just, uh, an offshoot of repressed anger. I'm not totally sure if I agree with that, but it's interesting nonetheless. I mean, I think, I think you could have, I think you could get ticked at things without being like an angry person, like on the road specifically. I don't know. Maybe that's not her I, argument. I, and and I would argue that it's I would argue that it's somewhat healthy to to express your anger rather than bottle it up, bottle it up for years and years and then become the person who walks into Walmart with a gun. Like I'd oh rather God. just slowly let it you know diffuse out over you know each time it comes up. And uh, yeah, and yeah, of course, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: I think the outlet. And how you facilitate that is where a lot of people would just dis- like have varying opinions of how that should be taking place. And some people would say it shouldn't be taking place in the car with random strangers. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think anyone would disagree with you that you need to let out your anger out somehow, right? Your frustrations and things like that. But there are, there are good ways of doing that and there are bad ways of doing that. I don't know where driving fits into that, but it seems like potentially it could be a very bad way at times, at least. Okay, well, well, changing gears from that, I want to hear your thoughts about... Nice car pun. Oh, yeah, I I didn't even... I honestly didn't even mean to do that. That was pretty amazing, (laughs) to be honest. Um, So amazing. So changing gears, um, how many times a year would you say it's acceptable to poop at work? How many times a year? Yeah, how many times a year? Like, would you say like every day is fine? Because some people do that, <laughs> or would you say like once a month or you know twice a year? Like, how many how many uh, lifelines do you get when it comes to pooping at work? If you work at I'll like be, at a public place, I'll be honest, I've never ever thought of this. Because um, I think it's weird to poop at work. I'll just throw it out there. I think I think it should be like a la- a worst case like a the the last resort of like oh man like today's just a weird day i'm gonna have to do this at work but i feel like a lot I mean, of if you're at think work it's... for eight to ten hours and yeah i mean i don't know i i I've, honestly have zero clue how to answer this mainly because i've been working from home for the last two years of my life so yeah this has you, never you been would, you wouldn't make it out there in the world where you have to hold it <laughs> No, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think? Obviously, you have a number in mind. I would say about three or four times a year is is the amount I'll allow. It, 
I, I just, I don't know, man. I think it's a shameful act to do at work where everyone who walks into that bathroom shameful. while you're performing. Yeah. When you, everyone who walks into that bathroom has to smell your disgusting stench. <laughs> I just, I just find it absolutely repulsive. And I think people should be absolutely ashamed of it to the point where if you're taking a crap at work and someone else is in the bathroom, you should want to wait for them to leave before you exit. So they know it was you that was doing that. All right, let me ask you this. Would you find it as repulsive if everybody had like a, a system that was that you could see where how many like if people have reached their year pooping quota? <laughs> this is, you're giving me some like amazing if you, if, ideas. Another one, if you followed a guy who like he just came out of the bathroom and you come in, you walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, it stinks so bad in here. <laughs> but then you saw that he was only on his second one of the year. And it's like six months into the year. Are you still mad? Or do you think no, I that, that would be acceptable? I, I, I think once a month, everyone should have to wear a t-shirt with their tally on it for how many times they've gone at work. And that way, just there's a kind of a, a, a subtle reminder of who's yeah, the I'm sure you really people. feel this way. <laughs> no, I do. I honestly do. I feel strongly about this. I'm not, I'm not just saying this for the podcast. I feel strongly about this. Something tells me though, that, it wouldn't matter. Like if this was guy, say it's like July 3rd and this guy's like coming out and it's like, Oh, he's only on number two so far. Like in, in, you know, no double entendre there, but, uh, walks out the <laughs> something tells me that you'd still be upset with him because you have to walk in and, and follow that stench. I, I would be upset, but that there would be some forgiveness. <laughs> i'm just glad you're not running the show man that's all i'm just really Dude, glad all, all i'm saying is by the time you're an adult you should have some control over when your body needs to do that and i feel like it's it's kind of pathetic if you just have zero control over that you're just oh i gotta it's go not that they don't it's have time, any control it's, though. it's not that they don't have any control it's that they don't want to fight it <laughs> well, they Which should. maybe that's the same thing i don't know this is honestly for anybody that's ever thought i was costanza you have out costanza me for life with this conversation that's fair i i i don't find it like i told you before when i called you costanza i said that's not an insult i don't i don't think it's an insult to be costanza <laughs> spoken spoken like a true costanza that's amazing now i'm gonna change gears one more time and i'm gonna I'm going to see how you feel about this mutual, the, this experience I had on mutual um, a couple of times. So I, um, I had deleted mutual for a while and I reinstalled it and I matched with this girl who you know, I find, I found her relatively attractive. It's sometimes it's kind of hard to tell on mutual and there's only a few pictures and like they kind of choose like weird picture angles or like just strange lighting where you, you just can't really Gotta tell. play those whatever, angles, like, baby. Yeah, but like, I mean, this, from what I could tell, this girl was pretty attractive. And so I'm like, yeah, I could, I could potentially be into this. She didn't live in Utah or anywhere close to me. So it wasn't like going to be a convenient thing to pursue, but whatever. And so we started talking and then like, she, like, we were like three, like back and forth messages in. And I don't know how she found me, but she went and added me on Instagram which there was like zero, I don't know how she went about that. It, it, whatever. It's kind of creepy to be there's, honest. There's but a lot of chases out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how she did it, but whatever. So she, she followed me on Instagram and then she started messaging me on there. Like before I even had a chance to respond to her mutual message. 
which I found that kind of weird. And so I actually didn't accept her follow request and I didn't respond to the message because I'm like, ah, that just kind of ruined it for me. So it's overly aggressive. I agree. Yeah, exactly. So th- th- then a couple of months go by. And so this actually happened the first time I was on mutual and then I uninstalled it and got back on it recently and matched with the same girl again. I'm like, oh, I'll give her another shot. Maybe I overreacted to that. And the same thing happened. So we, we match. And in, instead of talking to me on mutual, she goes straight back to the Instagram thing and starts messaging me again on there. I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, let me just enjoy a slowly progressing conversation. Like, what, what do you jump into being social media friends so quickly? Maybe am I overreacting here? No, that's strange. I mean, you shouldn't yeah. have given her a second chance if you felt that strongly the first time. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's very that's very weird. I, I would agree with that. Well, and it just because with mutual, you're already working with limited information. Like, is this person that cool? Is it like, and, and then for them to be like, act so desperate to immediately go follow you on Instagram and start messaging, messaging you on there, like super quickly. It's just like, okay, you're clearly super desperate and not as cool as I maybe gave you credit for. So no, yeah. Was... Well, I mean, I don't know if it's desperation per se, but it's clearly that there's something anti-social about what she's doing social norms at least she's definitely breaking those there's no question about that and that's that's enough to kind of put up maybe at least a yellow flag where you're like what is this this is strange and you know if she's willing to just like do that willy-nilly then what else is she willing to break social norms wise as well you never know along those lines though i actually have this thought i want to throw out there with dating apps in general you know how, like, I think it's Hinge that says that's the app that was designed to be deleted or something because they, like, want you to find love or whatever? Yeah. I don't buy that. I don't. I, I really, I mean, they, they may claim that. And, like, ultimately, that's kind of their business plan, right? They, they To not just be a hookup app, but to actually have people find each other seemingly forever. But if they really wanted that, and this is the problem that I have with Mutual, if they wanted that, then... The first thing you see whenever you open the app wouldn't be another person. The first thing you'd see is your messages and your matches. Because every time you open up the app and see a new person, not to mention we all know these apps front load it with very popular people. So you're usually getting like the prettiest options out there. Let's be honest. If that were the case and they really cared about you finding a true connection, then they'd open you up to your messages and your matches. So that way you can leave off or pick up where you left off and actually focus in on the conversations at hand instead of just seeing other options and immediately getting caught up in the whole, oh, maybe I'll match with this person. Maybe I'll match with that person. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I I agree. And to your point about Hinge, like staking that claim, it's like I'm not really sure how Hinge is different than any other dating app in that regard. Like all dating apps are essentially the same. Like they, they, you know, the format's slightly different, but for the most part, they're all the same. And so I don't know how hinge can make that claim any more than mutual or bumble or Tinder or anything. Like it's all the same. So it's just virtue signaling really. Yeah. Screw those guys, man. Anyway, I just had that thought randomly recently. I was just like, if they're really trying to help you out, they would, they wouldn't just inundate you with options. You know, they'd say like, hey, like, you know, find a select few, feel it out, dig in. And then if none of those work out, if anything comes to fruition, go back into the field, try and get a few more. Because if you're hitting it hard for a week or two, 
inevitably there's going to be a solid amount of options that just fall through the cracks because you get caught up going on dates with other girls while you've matched with others and haven't approached them yet. Then the thing expires or whatever, or they've lost interest, you've lost interest. And like the fact that you're like drinking through a fire hose in the first week or two of a dating app is just, you're screwed. Like you're not, you're, you're not necessarily giving yourself the best chances at finding somebody. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, dating, I guess, I want to get your thoughts on this screenshot I, I, I saw on Twitter from, it was something from BYU. I'm not really sure what this exactly is, but uh, Ben Criddle took a screenshot of this, uh, something on the BYU website that it says, single after marriage, transitioning from sexually active to sexually inactive. The transition from being sexually active to sexually inactive due to divorce or death of a spouse, can be difficult. Although you likely won't be able to replace sexual intimacy, you may be able to identify ways that you can start to fill the holes that were once filled by sex. <laughs> that is, you have the school of family life to thank for that one. How that one made it between the cracks, it's, it'd be through the filter, I guess is beyond me man that is well I'll, I'll tell you what I, i'll tell you what i thought of the second i the second i read that i thought of this please try yeah. at least try and keep it g-rated okay i will i gotta pull this up pg you could try you could do pg if you need to everybody i will see you tomorrow saturday morning probably wearing the same clothes that i'm wearing right now if you catch my drift we get it i am going to go get laid Goodbye. <laughs> With sex. <laughs> That's just Dwight. I don't know why I thought of that. Um. <laughs> that is just about as awkward. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this post that that you came across is more egregious. Let's be real. I I can't believe that. Yeah. And it I don't even want to repeat been... it. It had to have been an incredibly naive person that wrote that. No, there's no question. There, there's no way they were trying to do that on purpose. But no, I actually, I saw that first because somebody else had an issue with it. I guess there was a whole paper written on this uh-huh. because some other uh, woman had a problem with the idea that I can't even remember but her takeaway. She wrote this big thing and she like wrote a letter to the school of family life saying like, I hated how naive that whole paper was, blah, blah, blah. So that's actually where I saw the context in which I saw it first. I think she just had a problem with the whole transitioning from sexually active to sexually inactive. When you go from married to not married in the church, which is an interesting topic, actually, I think, because I can't imagine that's easy, but anyway, it's neither here nor there. Not, not, not really at least, but yeah. What like, well done whoever wrote that <laughs> in all the worst ways, but that is, that is wildly hilarious. Let's be honest. I know that that's parody level right there. Like a parody. That really is. BYU. That has become self parody for sure. Well, um, I didn't have much else other than the good news that came out today. The Mark Pope, uh, he's not going to be the next head coach at Arizona. It was uh, the Gonzaga assistant coach. I uh, got the job. So, we can breathe a sigh of relief that uh, the future of BYU basketball is still in good hands. I don't think there was ever real concern that he'd be picked up. I mean, like the articles I saw was that he was kind of like one of the, like, did he interview for it? 
I I never I didn't follow it closely enough to know if he did. I'm sure if he did, he probably asked to have it kept private. Fair enough. What I've heard though is that this assistant from Gonzaga that got that Arizona head coaching job is a freaking good coach. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That's that's quite. By the way, let's be honest. That's that's quite the the uh, upgrade. You go oh, from yeah. an assistant in the WCC to a head coach in the Pac-12. That's fairly unprecedented, I think. But that goes to show how amazing Gonzaga is and how good of a coach Mark Few is and to think that his tree is really something, it's a force to be reckoned with. That all makes sense. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying Arizona made a bad hire by any means because I've heard it's a great hire, but I'm just highlighting the fact that that doesn't, you do not see that often. That jump, I don't know if we've ever seen a jump quite like that, at least not in recent history. No, no. Well, I will say that this is one of the blessings of losing in the first round of the tournament is I think it bought us some more time with Pope. I think had BYU gone and made a a deep run in the tournament this year, there's a pretty good chance that guy gets poached. Um, If not this season and in the, in the short, in the short outlook in the future, I think the more success Pope has, the the shorter his tenure is going to be at BYU, unless he's just determined on a personal level with his family that he doesn't want to move them around. But you got to imagine the big boys are going to come calling sooner or later. And uh, so let's just hope we can hold on to them longer than than a couple of years. But You'd think so. I mean, outside of Kentucky, who's the biggest threat? Like, is he just trying to find the next big thing? I don't think he's just trying to find a big thing just for the sake of it being bigger. I think he's pretty happy at BYU. Granted, if somebody comes in with an offer that's double his salary, then all bets are off. Who knows? Cause any, you can't even blame him at that point, but um, there's no question in my mind in terms of from, from a sentimental standpoint, the reason the only school he'd really leave BYU for is Kentucky. Um, but like I said, when it comes to salary, you throw everything out the window. I just think, I don't think there's another draw he has anywhere else outside of Kentucky. So he's relatively I mean, if, uh... safe at BYU, at least for now. I mean, I could see like a play if if Coach K were to re- retire at Duke. I think a place like that, if Pope might be on a list, if he succeeds continually. Although Not I'm sure impossible. Duke has a pretty Duke. I'm sure has a large you know alumnus or alumni um, group to pick from if if that ever came to that. But yeah, I don't see. Yeah, I would. I, I don't see Duke hiring anyone outside of Coach K's coaching tree. Quite frankly, maybe not. Yeah, not, cer- certainly not as their first hire outside of Shashevsky. They may, if it doesn't work out, then they might think, okay, maybe we need to expand our pool here. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. You know, along those lines, I'm starting to question my own my own uh, level of fandom towards BYU. Not in the sense where it's like I don't, I'm not a BYU fan. I'll always be a BYU fan in my eyes. I'm curious what how other BYU fans view me. And that's because like, I, I just can't help but think that I have some friends that listen to the podcast and whenever we talk about BYU sports, that they hear me talk about BYU and they're like, this guy doesn't even like BYU, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which isn't true. I love BYU sports. Like, and I always will, like I could become anti-Mormon and I was still would cheer for BYU football and basketball all the time. But, uh, I don't drink the Kool-Aid and that's kind of what separates me, I guess. Not to say that they all do. But I do think there are people that are willing to pull out excuses more regularly than I am because they just like want to believe 
that things are better than they really are. And I guess that's where I come, my pessimism and my cynicism comes into play more than theirs. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like, I relate to your pessimism, but when it, when it push comes to shove, when it comes to game day, I'm going to drink that freaking Kool-Aid man. And that's, oh, you that's definitely do. Between. Yeah. yeah. You do way more than I, in that regard for sure. But whatever, there's a place for you guys. We need you guys. You need to be all part of our, our, our fan base. There's no question about that, but. And I think when we need talk- people like me and you too, right? Because you're not yeah. you're not always drinking the Kool Aid, but there there needs to be people like me on our fan base. Let's be honest. Hopefully, like keep us grounded to some degree. I don't know. No, it's uh, it's good to have a balance, and there's there's enough cringe BYU fans out there that uh, that anyone who is well adjusted and normal is welcome to the to the fold. I open I, yeah. I I welcome them with open arms because you go on places like Cougar Board and you're like, man, why why am I associating myself with these people? <laughs> so true, dude. So true. Anyway, well, with that chaser, I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. That was a that was a solid little podcast. It's good to have you back. Um like let's let's just keep on moving forward, man. We've had some good feedback for this podcast so far, and we've had some great guests and it's we're growing our audience slowly but surely i'd like to see that <laughs>